Good morning. This is Christine DiGiacomo, and today's morning briefing is called I Am Who I Am. And to think, I still had the words in my mouth about the dreams God sent to Joseph to care for Jesus, the coming and then newborn Savior of the world who slept under Joseph's roof. Dreams? Are there other ways God speaks to his children? Oh, certainly. We must talk about those, most especially as we launch further into the deep of Matthew and will read the words of God that Jesus taught. We must be able to discern that God is speaking to our hearts and minds if we are but able to receive it. Oh yes, God speaks. The question remains, are you able to hear him? Or is there too much noise in your life? And further to think that just because I happened to buy a Bible discussion at a table, as Shannon said, but what did Christine mean when she said Jesus is the only person born who has always been alive? Well, yes, of course, dear Shannon, because Jesus is part of the eternal Godhead, the three in one. And so began a foray into the scriptural basis for the three distinct persons of the Trinity. We have considered the Son of God, the Holy Spirit, and now we endeavor to unpack God himself. I wish to start by saying what St. Augustine said, Thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. Instantly, we distinguish God in the Trinity, in our Western minds in the 21st century, as God the Father. But he is so much more. You see, when we jump to God the Father, we almost omit His eternal being before Jesus came as our Messiah. Most of the Old Testament, that is, before Jesus came to earth, does not refer to God as Father. In fact, only 15 times, and that is usually with regard to being the Father of the nation of Israel. Jesus refers to God as Father 65 times in the first three Gospels, and more than a hundred times in John's Gospel. And so, God the Father is what rolls off of our tongues as well. But God is the originator of all. Creation happened at His behest, His timing. The names of God, most of them spoken out by Him, reveal so much more about the nature of our great God. The psalmist wrote, Those who know your name, put their trust in you. Psalm 9, verse 10. Accordingly, we see that when Moses wrote, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, the Hebrew word for God was Elohim. He used Elohim, God, creator, mighty, and strong. From the Bible's first sentence, the superlative nature of God's power is evident. Elohim? is used 240 times for the name God in the Old Testament, meaning God as the source of all that is. Then there's Yahweh, or we say Jehovah in English. The revelation of the name is first given to Moses, I am who I am, in Exodus chapter 3. I love the dialogue that takes place between Moses and God in that chapter. I invite you to look it up. 
But specifically, in verse 14, is when God told Moses, Take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. Oh, and who should you tell them sent you? Tell them, I am who I am. And he follows it up with simply, in the next verse, I am. He was standing on holy ground, he said to him. But you know what? When we are tuned into the Holy Spirit, He often lets us know we are standing on holy ground. Strictly speaking, Yahweh, or Jehovah, is the only proper name for God. Translated in English Bibles, this is so interesting and you'll see it a lot in the Psalms. It's translated in our Bibles in all caps, LORD, L-O-R-D in caps. This name specifies an immediacy, a presence. Yahweh is present, accessible, near to those who call on Him for deliverance. For instance, in Psalm 107, verse 13, He is near when those who call on Him for forgiveness and guidance. Yahweh is used 6,828 times in the Old Testament. God is the God who is present and near to all who call on Him. So we have Elohim, starting in Genesis 1.1, and then Yahweh, which describes an eternal presence who's with us and close, near. And then Adonai, which is often just translated in our Bibles as Lord, used in place of Yahweh, which was thought by the Jewish people, the Israelites from the beginning of time, to be too sacred to be uttered by men who are sinful, which we all are. In the Old Testament, Yahweh is more often used, though, in God's dealings with His people, while Adonai is used more when He deals with the Gentiles. Interesting. It is God who set the plan of redemption in motion. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. Galatians 4, verses 4-7 through 7. God showed us who He is by sending us Jesus. You see, it seems the Father creates a plan, Jesus Christ implements the plan, and the Holy Spirit administers the plan. Therefore, we see that both the Son and the Holy Spirit are submissive to God, who we consider and often call God the Father, but to Yahweh. Further, God alone knows when Jesus will come a second time. Jesus said of the day and time, no one knows, only my Father. So much great information about our good and great, magnificent God. But for today, I want to conclude with a prayer by A.W. Tozer. I pray, O God, I have tasted thy goodness, and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. O God, the triune God, I want to want thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me thy glory. I pray thee so that I may know thee indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Then give me grace to rise and follow thee up 
from this misty lowland where I've wandered so long. Wow. Draw us to yourself, God, we pray. Amen. <laughs>